How about a puzzle with close to 2,500 pieces measuring 30 metres and weighing 25 tonnes? Well, that's the challenge facing archaeologists as they piece together the wreck of a 15th century ship found in on a South Wales riverbank 20 years ago. And the project's curator, Dr Toby Jones, joins us from Newport in South Wales. Good morning to you, Toby. Good morning. So have you, Good evening. Have you, yes, it is here. have you put the puzzle together yet? No, we're, uh, but we're just starting that phase of the project. Right. So. This particular vessel, what would it have been used for? Uh, well, we found uh, during the excavation parts of over 100 casks on board, and it uh, was definitely engaged in the wine trade in the 1450s and 1460s. And some of the casks were huge, like think uh, 1,000 litres or 1,200 litres. And so the ship would have been absolutely uh, stacked full of these uh, you know, casks of red wine. And uh, looks like it was tra- trading with uh, Bristol just across the estuary here. And how many pieces of the puzzle do you think you've got? Uh, we probably have about a third of the original vessel surviving, and uh, it's almost entirely made of oak. Uh, as you mentioned, you mentioned the sizes. It's it's really substantial, and it is uh, beautifully preserved. And when they actually found the ship, they were walking back and forth on the ship timbers uh, in their steel toe caps when they found it buried in the riverbank. So it's been um, it's taken us 20 years to you know, record all the timbers, clean everything, and conserve, but we just finished that a few weeks ago, that big phase, and so now we're turning our sights to actually putting it back together and putting it on display in a museum. Mm, what an exciting discovery when it was found. Yeah, it was a complete uh, chance find. They had no idea anything was there. They were digging the foundations for a theater and arts center in the center of Newport, and uh, they dug down, and they eventually they hit a lot of archaeology, and eventually they hit the medieval ship. And uh, it took them about three months to uncover it and then three months to take it apart into thousands of individual timbers. But it was a... Uh, really unique find. There's nothing else from the 15th century, and uh, they've got such great information. You know, basically, based on archaeological research, they've determined that you know, it was built just after 1449, and the timber's from the Basque country in uh, northern Spain, and it's a... Everything on board, though, is Portuguese, and it looks like it's a you know big wine-trading ship you know, from the middle of the 15th century, and it was trading wine from... Now, Spain and France and Portugal up to uh, the southern half of Britain and uh, came to its end in Newport in the late 1460s. And with those timbers, how did they? How were they joined together for the bow uh, the sh- of the ship? Uh, the ship, the ship is uh, what we call clinker built. It's uh, made with overlapping planking. It's a tradition in northwestern Europe, a shipbuilding tradition. It's been around since uh, well for not quite two thousand years. But, uh, you know, the Vikings perfected it. And then these uh, Basque shipbuilders built uh, about as big as you possibly can build um, a clinker-built ship. Uh, It's all made of oak, and it's basically fastened uh, with wrought iron nails. Uh, The planking is overlapped and fastened to itself with wrought iron nails. And then the the framing or ribs that are attached to the planking with big wooden nails called tree nails, uh, those are made of oak and uh, like the rest of the ship, they're beautifully well-preserved. But, you know, the ship had something like 27,000 nails and 8,000 of these big, big wooden dowels to hold it together. Gosh, all handmade. Yep, yeah, everything uh, handmade. and Really remarkable. I mean, the trees, the, we, they found the forests where the trees grew. Um, they're 100, uh, 160 kilometers inland from the Basque coast, and somehow they got these, you know, thousands of huge oak timbers or hundreds of big oak trees. They got down to the shore and 
and hand fashion, just with axes and adzes and you know spoon bit drill bits, just very simple tools. They fashioned a beautiful big ocean going ship that was just of the highest quality, and uh, then it had a you know probably about a fifteen year use life. And it wasn't at the end of its life when it came into Newport. It was in Newport for repairs. We have evidence of that, but uh, it was on a cradle structure to collapsed and it looks like the ship fell over and we have such a huge tidal range here like uh, 13 14 meters that uh, it it just with the ship over on its side it would have flooded very quickly with with silty water and uh, that's why it was lost in the riverbank there what about personal items on board the ship was there anything else besides the planking and the you know, the actual hull of the ship and the mast yeah. i suppose what yeah, they've actually found about a thousand artifacts uh, inside and around the ship. And so everything from shoes and coins to wooden bowls, wooden combs, uh, you know, all sorts of other leather artifacts, uh, just a little bit of everything. And, you know, some of the like the wooden comb, one of the wooden combs we have is the double-sided one. So the coarse, coarse teeth for uh, straightening your hair and the fine teeth for getting the lice out. And there were so many um plant remains and nuts and seeds and animal bones and fish bones that tell us about what life was like on board, what they were eating, what they were carrying. And I can tell you that the preservation of the, in the mud was remarkable. There were so many human fleas, dog fleas, flies, lice. I mean, it kind of shows you it wasn't a cruise ship. It was a merchant ship and life was, uh, I'd say a bit challenging on board, but uh, they were willing to put up with it because of the vast profits you could make from the wine trade. Right down to, to like something as small as a flea was preserved. Oh, and even smaller, there was uh, lots of pollen uh, pollen uh, trapped in the mud. I mean, it's really remarkable what the mud can preserve. And uh, when you find a ship uh, preserved in the mud, uh, it, it just preserves these elements uh, wonderfully. And you just have to get it to the right specialist and they can tell you what it is and uh, – what its significance is. And so that's, those are some important aspects to the project. And uh, we've basically hit all of them over the years, uh, every type of analysis you can imagine from isotopes to DNA and all that. And now we're looking at, you know, reassembly. So it's uh, lots of great, you know, archeological and academic information's uh, been gleaned from this, but the real uh, goal of the whole project has always been reassembly and display. And so that's where we're turning our attention to now. So figure out a how to put it together and b how to support it and then uh it'll probably take, it'll take a good few years to actually physically build it because it's never been done on this scale and there's no instructions and no one's done this before uh the two bigger ships the vasa and the mary rose that are on display in northwest europe they never took them apart they raised them and brought them to shore and built the museum around them in newport's case I mean, we have two and a half thousand pieces and and uh no you know, no box lid. <laughs> You've got pictures of perhaps not that particular vessel, but of similar style ship. Yeah, we we have lots of uh, great excavation records. We know what it looked like in the ground, uh, which was a bit damaged and distorted. So it's a good place to start, but we have to make our own blueprints and plans and then follow those. And the ship is so interlocked and overlapped that there's only one way, like one sequence to put it together. You don't want to put like 300 pieces on and realize you have to take 200 off to add one you missed. So we really have to no, take it through it. I mean like paintings and things like that of, a, of that particular style vessel, a medieval vessel like that. It's They're very, very rare. Uh, they're a lot more common in the 
16th century, 17th century with the age of exploration and colonization and all that with all the Iberian ships. But uh, in the 15th century, they didn't build these ships with blueprints or plans. I mean, yeah, we have the odd painting or illuminated manuscript, but they tend to be very artistic and not super detailed. So we'll use all of them for sure as as like contributory evidence. But, you know, we have to, we actually have a ship and so we have to you know, do what it says, if that makes sense. And, yes, uh, that that is a real puzzle, especially you're not going to get the nails in exactly the right nail holes, obviously, because there's too many of them. <laughs> but um, or maybe when you took them out, did you take them out like like you were disassembling a, a puzzle? You know, the, the puzzle yeah, that you had to put back together. Yeah, they kept such. They did such a good job mapping everything and documenting everything during the excavation that we know where all the pieces came from and and what they're which piece they're next to. And so it is a matter of overlapping them and lining them up. And we've done that on trial basis, but the ship is so big, we can't build it and then drag it somewhere, you know, move it. We have to build it in its final home. And so uh, that's still being, where is, where is still being determined by the city. But uh, in the meantime, we're going to look at how you reassemble it, the sequence and how you, critically how you support it, because these big, 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 um, ocean-going ships, they're not very happy out of the water. You need to support them really comprehensively in a museum setting so they don't sag and distort. So that's what we're turning our attention to now. But, uh, Incredible project. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, so, so you said, it, did you say it came off its cradle, it fell off its cradle originally? That's what the thought was. Um, why didn't they take all the stuff out of it at the time? Well, they, they tried to refloat it. We have evidence that they had uh, several different pumps on board and they actually drilled neat little holes in the very lowest point to try to drain the vessel. But you know, every 12 hours, they have a huge tide coming in and it's just going to fill the thing. And they just don't have the technology. They don't have the sheer power to pump all that water out or you know lift it back up and refloat it. The ship was in excellent condition still, very valuable. It would have been a huge loss. But they eventually, they tried to salvage it and then they eventually switched gears to, um, they gave up trying to refloat it and they just set about cutting away what was still above the mud in the water. So that's why we're missing the very upper bits. But we still have two and a half thousand pieces and uh, you know quite a substantial <laughs> you know length and all that. So it's um, really amazing. And imagine going into a museum in the near future and seeing a huge medieval merchant ship. Yeah, I can see why it's up. described as the world's largest 3D puzzle. What about fabric? Are there any, is there any fabric left? Oh uh, yeah, there were a few uh, bits of textile, uh, uh, woven wool textiles, uh, probably clothing and possibly a, maybe a bit of the sail as well. Uh, and we found uh, textiles, sorry, um, uh, like rope, rigging as well. That was both grass rope and hemp rope. So anything organic, you know, we found, you know, surviving elements and lots of uh, rigging, like the blocks and pulleys surviving too, which is incredibly rare uh, for the medieval period. Yeah, what's the name of this ship? Do you know? Oh, uh, that's a tough one. Uh, we don't have a firm ID yet on it. Uh, I'm sure it had a name, and it uh, would have been mentioned somewhere in some archive, the loss. But unfortunately, there's no like name on the back of the ship. Uh, we the historians are still mulling over that. They have lists of candidates, and I'm sure they'll find the answer uh, eventually. But you know, our job as archaeologists is really try to sort the sort the material out and. Um, give all the information to the right specialists. So I'm confident they'll find the name, but it's still a work in progress. And what do you anecdotally, do you call it yourselves? Uh, just the Newport ship. And, <laughs> so um, the Newport ship, right. Yeah. Makes so, sense. 
Very good. Well, what an incredible project. Thank you so much, uh, Toby, for joining us tonight. Good luck with it. When will you finish this work, do you think? Oh, realistically, it's another, say, five five plus years, and maybe we'll start rebuilding then. And then, you know, people can watch, come visit and watch the reassembly happen. And then, you know, within five to 10 years, it really should be on display. <laughs> well, that, so, gives yeah, you, pl- that gives you plenty to work work with and for for the next. You've got a job anyway for the next five years. Yeah, I've put almost twenty in, and uh, I'm willing to see it through <laughs> most of my life. I think. Amazing. Thanks, Toby. Thank you for joining us. Yep. No problem. Thanks a lot. The Newport Ship Curator, the project's curator, Dr. Toby Jones from Newport in South Wales.